Hey folks, Andrew Packer here and welcome to Trading Tips. In 2019, we've seen a number of companies make merger announcements, potential acquisitions. We've seen a lot of activity in that space. What does that necessarily mean for the markets? Well, for the most part, you know, merger and acquisition activity is a, a pretty normal part of the investment process. But this year, we've started seeing some pretty big numbers getting thrown around. And whenever we get into the big number territory, especially when we get into the record number territory, we usually get to a place where the stock market might be kind of pausing for about 12 to 18 months. We might get a bit of a correction. It just might not go that much higher. Uh, well, people just sort of sort out, hey, why are we really paying so much for these companies involved? And what's really driving the conversation lately is the announcement by private equity firm KKR to buy shares of Walgreens Boots Alliance, ticker WBA. Walgreens Boots is one of the well-known drug stores, chain stores. Uh, they merged with Boots in uh, the UK, otherwise it's Walgreens in the US. And, you know, everybody pretty much knows the, the products and services that they sell. It's a big retail chain. Uh, a lot of the big money that they make is from fulfilling prescriptions. Uh, that's part of the convenience of, you know, sort of the drugstore approach. But they obviously do a lot of other sales as well, picking up whatever little goods you need here and there. Uh, it's a pretty, you know, traditional kind of retail business that in the age of the Internet has been a little bit slower. So the fact that KKR would make a you know, record beating potential acquisition offer for this company in about the $65 billion range. It sounds like a bit much, especially when you realize that that would be a leveraged buyout, which means that KKR would be taking on debt to get the money to make the $65 billion off, uh, dollar offer in the first place. Now, leveraged buyouts, that's usually where we really do get that sign of sort of a short-term market pause for a while. And there are two great examples of this in history. The most recent one would be in about the year 2000 when AOL decided to merge with Time Warner to form a combination old media, new media empire. Obviously, the press praised it at the time. The CEOs of the company were praised as geniuses for, for bringing these, these two different types of businesses together where they could have this nice dynamic going of the fast growth of the internet and sort of just the steady state growth and the stability of a old school media empire. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, this was not a good value proposition for the shareholders because when this happened at 2000, the technology companies were already starting to peak. So AOL's valuation started coming way down right after the deal went through. And you know, the underlying Time Warner business, the old school business, you know, that was starting to see rapid decline from the rise of the internet age. So you had essentially, instead of you know, two, two mergers essentially creating each other uh, you know, beneficial uh, uplift, they just kind of both brought each other down as a result of that. And of course, in the late 1980s, uh, the kind of original king of LBO buyouts and the, and the big thing that scared people out of, out of these things for about 10 years until the AOL time order debacle uh, involved RJR and Nabisco. Uh, Nabisco, short for the National Biscuit Company, a uh, big food conglomerate at the time in the 1980s. RJR was RJR Reynolds, the tobacco company. And the idea was essentially the same as the AOL time Warner. The idea that, oh, you know, food, food's going to continue to grow over time. That's a good brand to have. You know, tobacco sales are going to stagnate a little bit just because of shifting changes in how people smoke and how often they smoke and government involvement in that. So it's a good idea to have these two businesses together as well. But in order to try and put that merger together, again, you needed to borrow billions of dollars at high levels of interest and try to make it work. But here's the problem with borrowing money from an accounting perspective. When you borrow money, 
uh, any interest that you pay on that debt is essentially deductible against your income as a business. So from a business perspective, it totally makes sense to take on a ton of debt. It would be like you deciding to you know, have the biggest mortgage possible because you really want that mortgage interest deduction. But you also know as a homeowner, you, know, you need to be able to pay your mortgage to begin with, so it can't necessarily be so huge that it you know, balloons all the other payments and you don't have room left in your budget to eat. But the problem with an LBO is you know, that those numbers can get obscured pretty easily. Now, obviously today with interest rates being a lot lower than they were in the 80s and in the year 2000, uh, you know, the KKR deal doesn't necessarily look that bad. However, you know, considering the underlying fundamentals here and considering just the amount of money involved, It'll be incredibly interesting to see you know, which banks want to lend money to KKR to make this deal happen and on what terms. Because the fact of the matter is, even without the leveraged factor of a buyout, a lot of corporate mergers and acquisitions just do not produce the results that they expect. Usually one company, once they acquire another, will simply take the best assets and, and kind of integrate that in, but then they'll have some, some positions and some divisions of these companies that they invest in that they don't know what to do with. Those divisions stagnate and become losses on the books that have to be written down or written off or spun off and sold. And these are the kind of things that the market views as a failure. But of course, when you're in the business of you know, making these deals, and a lot of the big banks you know, essentially encourage these deals because they want the big fees and they want the interest payments that they can get from, from taking on the debt, the fact of the matter is you know, a lot of CEOs, they love the idea of acquisitions because it puts them in the spotlight and it makes them look like a hero who's helping out their business by growing through acquisitions. But the actual track record of this acquisition-based uh, investment you know, just tends not to work out too well. If you can get an exceptionally good deal, that's a big difference right there. So let's talk about a company that did do acquisitions correctly and how it differs from the LBO model. The company I'm talking about is a company called Teledyne. And this was a company that was originally developed in the 1960s under the conglomerate model, where they owned a variety of different businesses. Now in the 1960s, conglomerates were huge. The market loved the idea of conglomerates. They were willing to give these companies a high multiple. So Teledyne would essentially issue stock rather than taking on debt or using cash to buy up other companies that were trading at much lower uh, earnings multiples. And then later in the 1970s and 1980s, uh, after the conglomerate model fell out of favor and they actually traded at a discount relative to other types of stocks, uh, Teledyne essentially used the earnings from all of these companies that it acquired to buy back its shares at a depressed price. And as a result, they had one of the best performing stocks in the 1980s. Uh, and this all happened under one CEO who essentially sold his company's stock when it was expensive to buy cheap earnings and then used the cheap earnings to buy back his stock when it was cheap. Uh, that's a huge uh, difference in a business model and it's one that you really aren't seeing with a lot of the uh, potential buyouts and that sort of thing today. So what should investors today do? Well, they should take a, take a little bit of a note of caution. They should stay away from some of these companies with these potential buyout offers on the table. Uh, if you do own shares of a company that gets a buyout offer and the shares go up, great, you're gonna make a little bit of an extra profit that you otherwise might not get that way. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily wanna hold on to shares of the company that makes the acquisition afterwards. You're probably better off just taking your cash and investing it elsewhere. That'll help you avoid some of the problems that occur sort of after the deal closes and people realize that, hey, this deal that sounded so good on paper before the close isn't actually so good in reality. So that'll wrap things up for this video. Until next time, I'm Andrew Packer saying good trading and good financial health.